greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
And you teamed with uh, Hulk Hogan in Japan. I did. I did. I ended up, uh, Hogan was coming in, uh, a little bit, and we ended up being teamed up and, and, and did pretty good together. And, uh, you know, Hogan had a few other opportunities, uh, you know, in the in the States. And, uh, you know, ended up going, going back and, uh, you know, becoming, uh, you know, one of the top guys ever, I guess. When you were teaming with him, did were you surprised on how well he ended up doing, or could did you see that when you were? Well, teaming? I mean, you know, when you're six eight and got a you know unbelievable yeah. body and you know so forth. I mean, he he had, he had a unique look and everything, and you know uh, the look is uh, you know at least half of it in it in in some ways, and uh, so you know, no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that he didn't. You know, he was another guy that, uh, you know, he didn't have it easy getting in either. You know, he, you know, he, he had a hard time. To, you know, I think Matsuda broke his leg and first time, and uh, you know, the, he he kept going. He was living on the beach, and you know, you know, barely able to make it. You know, so, you know, good for him. You know, he was a smart guy. And you ended up being the No Holds Barred movie. How did that happen? Well, I mean, uh, I guess they had a part there, and uh, you know, it was uh, Vince's and, and and Hogan's movie, you know, and I, they asked if I wanted to be in that, you know, have a part in a movie. Yeah, I'd never done a movie. I was yeah, happy to do. You know, it was fun. You know, and uh, you know, had a couple of. I guess classic line everybody talks about is you know is is the line that I give in the in the bathroom or something you know with I grab these two guys you know but you know it was it was a lot of fun. I wish I'd pursued that a little bit more now you know at a older age. I wish I think I could have done some characters in movies, but uh, it's, it's that was actually a gr I liked that movie a lot actually. And you did a great job in it. And was there any well, talk? Hogan of, too, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a good movie. I mean, you know, it was. Uh, I always tell this story. We went to the matinee theater. I took all my family. My little daughter was about ten, or yeah, I don't know, yeah, maybe a little older, twelve years old. And we're, we're watching the scene, you know. And I'm the bad guy, right? Until the real bad guy comes out. Zeus comes out and. He ends up, you know, ripping the hair out of my head and all this other stuff, you know. And my, and we're the we're the about five people with me, and we're the only people in the movie theater, you know. And <laughs> when when Zeus does this, uh, my daughter comes jumps up in my lap, starts saying, "It's okay, Daddy. It's okay." I never forget that in my whole life. That was, that's what I remember about the movie. <laughs> was there uh, was there any talk of you joining WWE around that time since you already knew Hogan and you were? You know, there was a time when, uh, but I I just made a verbal deal to go in for uh, part time. You know, in and out for Ole and uh, and the WCW. Okay. And uh, I mean, like a week before, and then all of a sudden I, I, I do get a call. And, uh, you know, they said, yeah, I'd like to come in. You can do this. And, uh, you know, and I said, golly, man, I, you know, I just, I made a, I made a handshake deal with, the, you know, and I, I can't do it. So anyway, missed it. And, uh, 
But after the uh, the match uh, with Hogan and uh, later on in, in, in Japan. Uh, the summit, you had it was called the Wrestling Summit or something, that match? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I wasn't even supposed to be on the card. Okay. You know, it was Terry Gordy was supposed to be against Hulk Hogan and, and uh, some joint joint deal again. And uh, uh, anyway, at that time, Vince said, if you're ever ready to give up Japan, this is Junior, Vince Junior, yeah. and, and uh, you know, give me a call and, and come in, you know, but uh, I never ended up giving up Japan, so. You ended up being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, just what are your thoughts on that? And well, I mean, uh, wow. You know, I mean, I was uh, inducted into another Hall of Fame, you know, the, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, where all the guys voted me in a few years ago. And, and that, you know, that was, that was a nice gesture. And then this year, uh, the WWE, I never, I wasn't ever thinking about it or anything. And, uh, but uh, just out of the blue, they, uh, they decided to like me, and uh, man, what a what a great experience! They uh, the WrestleMania in Dallas, and uh, uh, they treated me and my whole family just uh, just super nice, and uh, it was just a you know it, it was it was really great, and I, I enjoyed enjoyed it, and and seeing seeing everybody, and what a production! I mean, from you know. Not that I'm knocking the Amarillo, but you know the the production of pro wrestling in you know in the early '70s, you know, to what it is today is it, it's like light years difference, you know, and what a organization the WWE has, obviously, you know. Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I'm your host, J.P. John Paz. And of course, each and every week here on the TMPT feed, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, we're talking about the greatest era ever in the history of the business, 1984 to 1993, the Hogan Era. Some people call it the Golden Era. I refer to it as the era that made Vince McMahon a retired billionaire, all thanks to the immortal Hulk. Hogan. So here, each and every week in the show, we're talking about the greatest moments, matches, feuds in the Hogan era in that 1984 to 1993 time zone. And there's been so many great legends and names and people we've spoken about in the past. Andre the Giant, Macho Man Randy Savage, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Ken Patera, you know, some maybe some even some rare guys like Terry Funk, Harley Race, Bad News Brown. So, you know, obviously the big names like Roddy Piper and Kamala, we mean Iron Sheik, we've talked about all those before. But today I wanted to go a little bit more rare and talk about a guy that had a ton, a absolute ton of history with the immortal Hulk Hogan, but really had a ton of history with him more so behind the scenes. Well, not really behind the scenes, but there was a lot of history with, with them behind the scenes, but much more in pre-Hogan era. So we're talking about Georgia Championship Wrestling, a ton of history in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then behind the scenes as far as maybe some movies and some acting stuff, and as far as trying to get him back into the WWF. But they did have a gigantic main event match in front of 53,000 people at the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, of course, we're talking about Stan the Lariat Hansen, one of the greatest of all times. When you look at American wrestlers that go to Japan, 
gaijins, as they're referred to as, foreigners, they're guys that aren't Japanese. He is known as the greatest gaijin of all time. Obviously, Hulk is up on that, way up there on that list, too. But given the fact of Hansen's long run there, the fact that he made so much money there he didn't need to work in the States, and the fact that how dominant he was in all the great matches and all the money he drew there, he is really known as being the greatest gaijin of all time. Multiple time, triple crown, heavyweight champion, four times. I mean, he did it all. Tag champ in Japan. When you combine the titles as far as putting the three titles together, the NWA international title, the PWF title, I mean, you throw all the reins in there. It's an insane amount of runs. I mean, eight-time tag champ, like I said, four-time triple crown champion, just an absolute legend over there in Japan. Didn't work too much for New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is why most of his accolades are in all Japan. But this match that we're going to be talking about later involving Hulk Hogan versus Stan Hansen in the main event of the Tokyo Dome in 1990, which obviously smack dab in the middle of the Hogan era, that was a part of New Japan, All Japan, and WWF. But I'll get into that just in, in one second here. So just want to kind of also mention he's a former CWA World Heavyweight Champion down in, in Memphis. He's a former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. And as the story goes, he didn't want the title. Uh, he was going back to Japan. So supposedly, you know, he ran it over with his truck and, 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 just, and destroyed the title. But he supposedly never wanted it and that they made him win. And he said he wasn't going to come back and defend it. He's got, he's got dates in, in Japan. So that's just one of those funny things where uh, the lore of it or the history of it, it's like, wow, Hanson is one badass. He didn't even want to be a part of the AWA, didn't want the title, didn't want anything. So not only does he say, hey, I'm not coming back because I got other obligations paying me more money and obviously way more important given the fact of what a stalwart he was in Japan. He basically said, you know, I'm going to run this um, championship over and, and just hand it back over to, to Vern and the, and the AWA without technically losing it and technically t defending it. So just a, a funny story uh, as far as, as Stan, the man, but he really, really kind of took the championship belt and did defend it in all Japan in 1986. So it was one of the things where he did bring it with him to Japan, and yes, he did beat Rick Martello at a big show in New Jersey for it, and he ended up holding it for 180 days, but he never ended up really losing it. Defending, yes, in Japan, but never ended up coming back here to defend it, so Nick Bockwinkle was awarded the title in Denver, Colorado in June of 86. So just a funny little uh, tidbit there as far as Stan the Man, Hansen, and the AWA title. Of course, he was a U.S. champion in NWA, a.k.a. WCW, had a little mini feud with Lex Luger, and I think a ton of people will remember his matches in New Japan, although he didn't have many. He had some great matches with Big Van Vader and a, and a big-time incident. Obviously, they had a match in WWE as well, but I mean, big-time feud in, in New Japan and a big incident where Vader actually got his eyeball knocked out from a stiff shot from Stan Hansen, and Vader had to put the eyeball back and wrestle the, you know, the rest of the match like that. Obviously, no ill will between those two, just big mammoth beasts of stalwarts that they were they just you know stiffen the hell at each other and that's just the style in japan just the way it was and man i mean that's just uh, that's just the way it happens of course vader and him have no ill will as vader inducted him into the wb hall of fame class of 2016 so hansen is so well revered and so liked in the business even though he really didn't wrestle much for the wbf 
he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. A lot of people may not know this as well. Stan Hansen were the first guys to actually slam Andre the Giant in a match in All Japan Pro Wrestling in the early 80s. Very, very legendary match. Awesome match. We can get a hold of it. It's on YouTube. But, man, it's one of the first times you see Andre come off his feet quite easily in a big slam by Hansen. But great matches. They brawl all over the place. And very, very memorable just for the fact that not too many guys slammed Andre the Giant. And obviously, WWF would pretend that Hulk Hogan was the only guy to do it for many, many years. But Hansen did it before him. And obviously, Harley Race did it before him. As well. So, getting into the history of Stan the Man in the WWF, you have to go all the way back to the WWF in 1976. He started 21876 and he defeated Bobby Schaefer in his first match in the Fieldhouse in Hamburg, PA, part of the All Star Wrestling TV taping. On that same day, he would also beat Johnny Rivera. Both matches go about two or three minutes each. His really third match in the company, and really, I mean, talk about, you know, shooting the guy to the moon, was a WWF heavyweight championship match. And yes, it was on HBO. So uh, Madison Square Garden, New York City, 426-76 for the WWF heavyweight championship. Stan Hansen defeated Bruno Sammartino by referee's decision in 15 minutes. So the title does not change hands, but... Also, he does not lose the title, which is which was a a key thing and a, and a key cog in the wheel there as they would kind of continue on their feud. But that's just a big point that Hanson, his third match in the WWF under Vince McMahon Senior, ends up defeating Bruno Sammartino by referee's decision. Yes, but ends up defeating Bruno Sammartino, and this is like kind of in when Bruno is. Feuding with Superstar Billy Graham at the same time and beating him. This is when he's having rematches against Ivan Koloff and he's beating him. Texas Death Match, Russian Chain Matches, Steel Cage Matches. So he is, you know, hot to trot here. It's not like uh, Bruno's his second run as the champion is is anything, but but really, really a big, big deal. And for Hanson to do that is pretty damn amazing. It just shows you what they thought of him and where they wanted to go with him as far as being a big star for Vince McMahon Sr. So then we go and we continue on in 1976 as Hanson would win a 20-man battle royal. He just continues winning, winning, winning. Him and Skandar Akbar teaming up, defeating Ivan Putsky and Pat Barrett. And then they finally have a rematch in June, 625-1976. Bruno Sammartino defeated Stan Hansen about 10 minutes, 20 seconds at Shea Stadium. In Flushing, New York, it was a part of the big showdown at Shea Show, which, of course, that was the main event there, but they also had a boxer versus referee match, and I think everybody remembers this very well, which was shown kind of uh, close circuit-wise. It was Antonio Inoki and Muhammad Ali, and that was their 15-minute, excuse me, 15-round time limit draw with Gino, uh, sorry, Gene LaBelle, the legendary Gene LaBelle as the special guest referee. But really, at, when it was at Shea, the main event, of course, was Bruno and Stan Hansen in a big match. And then the co-main event was Andre the Giant defeating Chuck Webner. So another boxer versus wrestler match on there. And of course, they showed the video of Enoki and Ali, their legendary battle there. So with Hansen and, and with Bruno San Martino, that's not really the end of the feud. Yes, Bruno gets some some revenge and gets a big win there, but that's not really 
the end of their feud because if everybody remembers, there was a title match that occurs a little bit after that, and Hanson ends up breaking Bruno San Martino's neck. It was an incident that kind of um, left both Hanson and the promoters just thinking, like, what the hell happened there? San Martino says the injury came from the lariat, but it really came from a botched power slam, and he kind of jammed um, San Martino's neck as he was kind of bringing him down. So Hanson, that that was a little bit before, because he wasn't really out for very long as far as Bruno. He, I mean, he broke the neck, but wasn't out for very long. But that's what led to the showdown at Shea, and then... Hans would kind of be, you know, gone and and out of the promotion a bit. But that was kind of the the big time feud there that really really set set the the WWF on fire. They would also have a steel cage match in August, and Bruno would get the victory there. But that really kind of set him off. Like, wow, he injured whether it's a shoot or not. I mean, he injured Bruno San Martino, and he he ended up breaking his neck. So, I mean, they really, really did some some big-time, big-time business outside of just the showdown at Shea. So they would have more matches on 820, excuse me, 1976 in Pittsburgh, where Hanson would win by TQ. Then they'd have a rematch in Baltimore the following day, and they'd have a double countout. So, I mean, they were really building up Stan Hanson very strong. They'd have a match where Hanson defeated Bruno by a countout in September in Philly. They'd have another match in Boston in October where Hanson win by countout. Then there'd be a double DQ in October in Uniondale, New York. So, I mean, they're really giving him a lot of stuff and making him seem very, very important. 11-6, 1976, Bruno defeated Hanson in 15 minutes at the Boston Gardens in Boston, Massachusetts. Then in Pittsburgh, PA, a little return match in Bruno's hometown. Bruno would get the win in a steel cage. Then, of course, Hanson would defeat Bruno via countout in Landover, excuse me, in Baltimore, Maryland at the Civic Arena. And then 11-27-1976, Bruno Sammartino defeats Stan Hansen at the Spectrum again in Philly, PA. And then before, you know, his real big exit here, they'll have a return match with Gorilla Monsoon in Uniondale, New York as a referee, and Bruno will get the win. And then their final match together, 12-18-1976 in a steel cage, Bruno San Martino defeats Stan Hansen in Baltimore, Maryland, and that kind of, you know, sends him on his way. But the broken neck, whether it was a shoot or not, which it was a shoot, they really thought Bruno had a real bad injury, but it ended up not being that bad. It was just a jammed neck, technically a broken neck, but it really gave Hansen a huge push and made him a huge star everywhere he went because he was the guy that broke the neck of one of the biggest wrestling superstars of all time. It's just, um, I don't know, unbelievable just kind of circumstance. Thank God he didn't really injure him, but unbelievable set of circumstances there for Stan the Man. He would come back in 1980 and 1981 and have a ton of victories and, you know, a ton of good feuds, especially with Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund. He even had a return match with Bruno San Martino, had a big-time steel cage match in Boston on 3-14-81 with Bruno. Um, he ends up fighting Bob Backlund a few times, successfully defeating him, but unsuccessfully winning the title. Same thing with Pedro Morales. So really, really, um, he ends his runs both times, one by losing to Bruno, then this time in 1981 on 4-6-81 at MSG, losing to Bob Backlund about nine minutes in a steel cage match. So really awesome run there for Stan the Man Hansen. He'd have a couple more matches, obviously, in 1981, again, losing to Backlund again. 
him, uh, Captain Lou, and Moondog Rex would lose to Tony Gurria, Rick Martel, and Gorilla Monsoon. Bruno, again, gets a big-time match against Hanson on 6-28-1981, and Bruno would defeat him by countout in Hartford, Connecticut. Then there's a 20-man battle royal from the Prism Network on 6-26-1982 in Philadelphia, PA, obviously, and Tony Atlas won that one. There was a match with WWF and International Wrestling from Quebec City in Quebec, Canada in 1986 with International Wrestling WWF co-promoting it. Hanson defeated Ron Ritchie in about 12 minutes and 10 seconds there. So a lot of matches, a lot of runs, all kind of leading to what we're going to get to today in the Hogan era. And that is, of course, Hulk Hogan versus Stan Hansen. So before I get to that, let's talk about his run with Hulk. On 10-19-1979, Sterling Golden, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan, defeated Stan Hansen via DQ in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And of course, that was held in Atlanta at the Omni. Then they had a follow-up match, 10-26-1976, where Hansen and Sterling Golden, a.k.a. the Hulkster, at the Municipal Auditorium in Atlanta go to a no contest. Then there's a tag match, 11-12-1979, Austin Idol, the legendary Austin Idol and Hogan defeated Ray Candy and Stan Hansen in Augusta, Georgia at the William Bell Auditorium. Then they have a whole bevy of matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they have a lot of history there. First matches teaming together, and they have a bunch of matches teaming together as they are a part of the tag series over there. Best two out of three falls, Antonio Noki and Saiji Sakaguchi defeated Hogan and Stan Hansen 2-1 to one in about 14 minutes and 30 seconds. Hansen and Hogan then defeat Kobayashi and Elgin in about 8 minutes on 6-3-1980. And then we kind of go on and continue from there with Hogan and Hansen basically beating almost everybody except for... Any team that involved pretty much Antonio Noki and any team that pretty much involved Andre the Giant. As Andre the Giant and Hangman, a.k.a. Big John the Quebec Lumberjack, defeated Hogan and Stan Hansen in the tournament as well. There's an interesting six-man that, that I just found pretty cool because of the names involved. So it's Hogan, Rene Goulet, and Stan Hansen defeating... Antonio Noki, Kido, and Kobayashi, two out of three falls in about 15 minutes. That was on 11-30-1980. So pretty uh, interesting match. Rene Goulet gets the team up with Hogan and Hanson. Speaking of Hogan and Hanson, they lose to Bob Backlund and Antonio Noki. Then they end up beating Kimura and Tatsumi Fujinami. They end up beating Saikaguchi and Ricky Choshu. Then Antonio Noki and Backlund would defeat Hogan and Stan Hanson again on 12-10-1980. And there's a bunch of other you know, tag matches. Won't get uh, too deep in there too much, but I will mention this six-man tag that happened on 6-1-1981. Tony Onoki and Bob Backlund and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes defeats Bobby Duncan Jr., Hulk Hogan, and Stan Hansen two falls to one at Budokan in Japan. So, wow, what an interesting match there. Anoki, Backlund, and Dusty team together. I love sometimes getting those random-ass teams put together in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Also, they had a bunch of other tag matches, and really Hogan and Hansen only teamed together in 1980 and 1981. That's pretty much it there. The last match they had, 12-3-1981, Andre the Giant and Rene Goulet fought Hulk Hogan and Stan Hansen to a double countdown, which leads us all 
to the big match of the Hogan era, the WWF All Japan New Japan Wrestling Summit, which is held in the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan, was heard on Nippon TV, Nippon, if, if you want to be corrected, held on 4-13-1990. It was something that Vince McMahon got together, got together with Anoki, got together with Baba, and they put on this gigantic super show, which we will talk about in the future, probably many weeks to come, as we're going to get through most of the Hogan feuds here. But we're going to be getting through um, a lot of the other you know, major stuff and major feuds first, but it's just really interesting that that happened. I mean, wow, crazy to look back and think of New Japan, All Japan teaming up, but not only that, but teaming up with Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation in 1990, put on this gigantic super show in front of almost 54,000 people at the Tokyo Dome. Man, what a card. I mean, you had Liger, you had Jimmy Snuka, Bret Hart, Tiger Mask, but not maybe not Tiger Mask, but they could have Misawa as the Tiger Mask. You had the great Kabuki on this card. You had um, Saito, Hashimoto, Chono, Choshu, Jumbo Saruta, Haku, Mr. Perfect, Martel, Tenru versus Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior defending the WWF World Heavyweight Championship against Ted DiBiase, Andre the Giant, and Giant Baba teaming together against Axe and Smash. But we'll get into all that at a different time, a different place. Just wanted to kind of give you a brief overview of how massive this card was. So the main event needed to be massive, and it obviously was going to have to be involving the Immortal Hulk Hogan. It was not originally scheduled to involve Stan the Man Hansen, even though, to me, the number one guy, Jim, of all time, the number one guy, Jim, at this point. But it's kind of between him and Terry Gordy as, as who was really top dog and, and who was really going to be the top gaijin in Japan. But to me, it's Stan Hansen all the way. I love Terry Gordy, and he's awesome. But Hansen was better, and he was a bigger star. There's no doubt about that. And I think you could arguably say had a lot better matches. But they, it, it it's kind of um, subjective on that one. But I'll, I'll go Hansen all day, every day on that one with Terry Gordy being a close number two. So the main event is Hulk Hogan versus Stan Hansen, and it is an awesome match. You find it on Daily Motion. I don't think it's on YouTube. I tried to check. I think WWE.com even had it up. I don't think it's anywhere on Peacock or on WWE Network, which kind of sucks because it should be, but it's just an unbelievable match between these two, just different than anything you're going to see during the Hogan era in a few years. I mean, if you go to the Harley Race match or the Funk match or the Bay News Brown stuff, you'll see crazy brawling like this, but you haven't seen anything like this from the Hulkster in a few years, and it is awesome. I love this match. One of my favorite Hogan matches. It's on a Hulkamania 6 tape, and it's available with the alternate commentary from um, Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes. So it's available. The Japanese available version is definitely available on Daily Motion. I would 100% tell you to check that out. Just absolutely love um, that match. But it was originally supposed to be Terry Gordy. He was originally supposed to be a part of that match. And for some reason... He didn't want to do it. I know I believe that there's an excuse out there that he was injured, but even Stan Hansen says, I don't think he was injured. I just think he didn't want to drop to Hogan in this gigantic show. It's a, kind of strange. It's kind of weird, but maybe he was having some other problems, which he was kind of notorious for. Maybe he had some, uh, you know, some drug problems or some alcohol problems or some other problems going on that maybe it kind of led to all that. And maybe that's what, what happened there. So, Hard to say. You don't want to kind of say anything, but the rumor going around is that he was injured. Hanson kind of was intimating that maybe he didn't want to do the job, and obviously Hanson had no problem doing the job for the immortal Hulk Hogan. So the match goes 12 minutes and 30 seconds, and like I said, it is an absolute barn burner. 
It's an absolute classic. I absolutely love the match. Huge fan of the match. Go out of your way to see it. But Hulk Hogan defeats Stan Hansen, and that's really Hansen's last match for the anything to do with the WWF until showing up for his Hall of Fame speech in 2016. But like I said, one of the greatest legends, one of the greatest gaijins. Pretty awesome just to talk about the history here because Stan Hansen and Hogan were longtime friends. And Hansen would long talk about the time when Hogan was living out in his van and living in his car. And, you know, Hansen would try to help him out a bit and and really saw the struggle there. But all those guys were struggling and trying to make it, trying to make a, make, make a name for themselves. And obviously a lot of mutual respect between Stan Hansen and Hogan because Hogan tries to get Stan Hansen a contract after this match. That's how much he liked him, liked working with him. Yes, Hansen's stiff, but, you know, Hogan is okay with that. And Hogan, you know, stiff right back with that axe bomber to get the win. But he tried to get him a job, and he couldn't. He had already, you know, has his deal with All Japan Pro Wrestling, but he made a deal quickly with the WCW NWA at that point to do a few shots with them, so he was unable to work for the WWF. Although Hogan and Vince McMahon wanted to bring him in, they did, however, during the filming of No Holds Barred, get him on that movie, and a lot of people remember him. He's got the infamous shot in the trailer, an infamous shot in the movie, spitting the tobacco and chewing the tobacco and being part of that angle with Zeus and with Hulk Hogan, New Holds Barred. So obviously Vince McMahon and Hogan liked him a lot and wanted to use him. It just didn't work out contractually. And obviously Hanson had a way better career in Japan than anybody could have asked where made a ton of money and became a very, very rich man from it. So that's pretty much it here on the Hogan Era podcast. Please go out of your way to check out Hogan versus Stan, the man Hanson. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com. Check out my T Public store, tpublic.com slash store slash tmpt. And also check out Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. See you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother. In 1989, oh, no. the world had a burning question. Oh, what's that smell? More than 20 years later, rediscover the film that defined an era for the first time ever on DVD. Brother. That's my man. I'm a real American. Fight for the rights of I want you to come work for me. I'm willing to pay. Are you trying to tell me my money's not good enough for you? Oh my god, I won't be around. When this check clears, <laughs> what was the name? Let him fight. <laughs> Who's gonna be led? I will.
I will leave a rip. I know you out there. The World Television Network proudly presents a no-holds-barred fight to the finish. DVD and digital July 3rd. Brother.